Welcome to Just Me. It's another podcast recording. And today we're joined by the wonderful Paula Harding. And um, my first question, Paula, is who are you and what do you do, please? Well, thank you very much for um, asking me. Um, I'm Paula Harding and I am an executive assistant. Uh, My current role is managing the Dean of Education at the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine. Um, I've been in the EA for about 20 years after a period of different roles and roles that sort of gave me the transferable skills to to sort of work in that position and but I just love being the number two I love being the person who makes an executive better oh uh, what a nice description so so so, okay so so what does an executive assistant what does that mean it means many things to many different people. There's no one description for any EA. It depends who you work for. It depends the organisation you work for. And and it also evolves as you build a relationship with an executive. So an executive, as you can imagine, is very busy. They have lots of strategy. They have lots of objectives, targets. They're always in meetings. So an assistant, an executive assistant, is almost an extension of them. Um, some some people call it a second brain. It's almost mm. like having an extra part of them to do the things that perhaps they haven't got the time to do or... Their time is more better spent on more strategic issues. So the assistant has to know what's going on in the business. They have to know what's going on in the executive's head to be able to do that, to work alongside them and and understand what makes them tick and when their energy levels are at the highest and things like that to sort of motivate them and, um, and also be like a stakeholder manager if you like because you're dealing with the people who interact with that executive brilliant and and what was your and what's your route to today then so so go back to if if you if you if you you know if you're okay kind of childhood where where did Mm. life start for you well i was born in in um, a little town called peel in the isle of man I'm not sure if you've heard of it. It's um, nope. a, a small island in the middle of the Irish Sea. Oh, the Isle of Man, yeah, but not Peel. <laughs> uh, and it's just the most beautiful island. It, we mm. had a really lovely childhood, always out, always up the side of Peel Hill, making dens and um, digging holes and setting up little fires. And and just, I mean, we had a really lovely house. My mum and dad had two jobs. Um The primary school was two minutes up the road and the high school was two minutes the other way. And so lots of, as you can imagine, walks with the family. Um, But, you know, my mum and dad both had two jobs to be able to afford the house that we had. And um, they weren't strict, but you knew you had to behave. And, um, you know, we had to go to school if we couldn't you know take a sickie or anything we um and I and I'm a very emotional person but I always wanted to be at home with mum and dad but um it sort of gave me that toughness to sort of you have to get on with things in life um but they've always supported me if ever I was unhappy in work or in a relationship 
they just always had my back. So what how what brought you from the main from the Isle of Man to the mainland then? Because you because you now obviously you, do you live in Liverpool now? I'm in Liverpool now. Yeah, um, about twenty one years ago, but maybe more. I'd had a nervous breakdown, and um, the job I had before paid quite well, and then I had then I got on well, and it took a period of time for me to get well, and when I recovered, I got a new role, but it didn't pay as much, and there was Mm. just no way... I was going to be able to afford a property on the island. They're very expensive. I mean, even back then, they were very expensive. And so I got a second job. And I worked in um, a shop, um, like a news agent, if you like. Yeah. And um, after I'd started working there, um, have you heard of TT Week? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So TT Week, well, there's actually two weeks in the Isle of Man, practice sweet TT Week, and all the motorbikes come over, and it's, it's called a tourist trophy. And so I was working in the shop at the same time as TT Fortnight, and two guys started to come in. Mm. And one was the son, one was the dad. And they started talking to me, and we just start, I started getting friendly with one of, with the son. And... We stayed in touch. Um, I actually crashed my car the week they were over, and he used to come and see me in the hospital. And Aww. so, yeah, it was. A, I'd lost my, my nan the week before, so it, and I'd not long recovered from mental health, so it was all a bit of a strange time. And mm. and I started to go and see him in Liverpool. That's where the son and the dad were from, and in, he was one of eleven children. So he had sisters, brothers, nephews, cousins. Um, wow. So we were always out at birthdays, weddings, all sorts of, always out somewhere. And I really got to know Liverpool really well. Hmm. And I just thought, well, why don't I just go and live in Liverpool? Give it a try. And if I don't like it, I can come home. Wow. And yeah, and I just fell in love with Liverpool and it really helped me heal after the mental health issues mm, because mm. nobody knew me in Liverpool. They didn't know that I'd been in hospital. They didn't know um, that I was working in the shop at nights to earn money. You know, just things mm. which gave me a bit of freedom. So I sort of fell in love with Liverpool and it gave me the second life. Right. And when my partner and I split up, I stayed. Wow. Yeah, and the, like the things I've done that, since being in Liverpool, I would never have had that chance in the Isle of Man. You know, life would have been still good. Mm. It would have been different, obviously. Wow. So, what have you? So, what are the main lessons that you've learned along the way? I think in the last couple of years, I've changed into obviously who I am now. But when I was at school, I was always worried about who my friends were if they'd asked me to go to a party, you know, so much time wasted of worrying about um, different things like that. And if I'd have had social media when I was younger, I mean, I don't think I could have coped. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, who, who are you friends with? Who, who are you in the gang with? Um, what's everybody up to? What's everybody wearing? I just don't think I could have coped with that. But now I'm just so much happier spending time on my own. Um, I wear what I want to wear. 
Um, and more recently, I've learned that materialistic things aren't important and giving to others is more important than, than having. Mm, um, and understanding that, you know, not everybody was lucky as I was, so, you know. Mm. Um, and, pro- and even today, you know, I don't, I don't live in a fancy house or have a fancy car, but I have a lot more than many people in the world. And, mm. and it's really being grateful for those things. Mm. But but when was that? So at what point did that come about? Because that's a big lesson, isn't it? I mean, that's a real, that's a real kind of life change, you know, life changing moment. Yeah. When when did that occur? I mean, was that recently, or you know, by moving to Liverpool? Yeah. No, I was still very materialistic and worrying when I moved to Liverpool. I think mm. perhaps over the last. Maybe five years, I think, as you realise, you get older, um, you lose people you love, uh, and you realise that all that money you wasted on things that you don't even have anymore, um, and what really matters is is the difference you make in people's lives and the legacy, perhaps, that you'll leave. I mean, I'm, I'm very passionate about my profession, and I think what's most important for me is that I promote that profession because we don't always get the credibility and respect that we deserve. And and I really want the, the young people who are coming up to be able to have a career that they're proud of and to be um, acknowledged for the value that they bring in business. Mm-hmm. Um, but in life, it's it's I think as you get older, you realise what really matters is the difference you make in other people's lives mm-hmm. it was interesting actually when I was when I was younger you know I, I went on a new business course and I remember that the lady who was taking it Sean Preddy said well the most important people in any um, business you know whether it's a PLC or a limited company or an NGO or whatever is a is the executive assistants um, because mm-hmm. they are the gatekeepers to you know the C-suite and all the top executives and you know, never underestimate the power that these people possess. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but, you know, yeah. as you say, they are, you know, the, the, the second brain to a lot of yeah. these people. Um, really, really important. Yeah, I think on top of that, executive assistants are, they're more of a sounding board, mm. um, a confidant. Mm. So, you know, an executive may not want to go home and tell their family the trouble they've been having or how mm. annoyed they are with people, but we're almost like somebody that they can have that sort of mm. offloading to, if you like. Um, but in the past, it was very much a gatekeeper role. Mm. But now it's more about building relationships because, you know, in business, people buy from people they know, like and trust and it's about enabling those conversations and collaborations to take place, but with the right people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the amount of time some executives have is very small, and it's about making sure the right people um, get to meet with your executive. But also, you know, ideas can come from random conversations, so it's, you know, you've got to be mindful as well that, you know, you don't sort of, keep everybody out um, yes yes 
Yeah, absolutely. I watched a webinar a couple of weeks ago, and it was the equerry to um, Prince Charles, a former equerry to Prince Charles. And one of the great pieces of, of advice he, he gave was that not to take your master's name in vain, so wow. that never he, he would never say, well, His Royal Highness needs this. You know, you, you don't take your position and use it to advantage. It's, and I think... It's a hard role to balance because you do need things for your executive, mm. but it's also using your influence instead of using the your executive's name, if you know what mm. I mean. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of who, who and what has helped you along the way? Gosh, I mean, whenever I think about what I'm going to do in life, I always think back to my mum and dad. I mean, we've lost my dad a couple of years ago, but it, it's still there. It's still... Everything I do, I want to make them proud. Um, if I don't feel like doing something, I always think, well, mum and dad would do it this way, or they would say, no, no, you, as long as you've done your best, that's that's good enough. So it's it's mainly around them. Um, but more recently, there was a gentleman called John Haynes at the International Coaching Academy, and I always felt like I wasn't worthy in business. And he changed that. He Every wow. session, he would always say to us, come on, team, what's your music inside? And, and I used to love going with and learning from John every week and the, the knowledge he would share. And he'd make us think bigger than we could ever think we could achieve. And, and life took a new direction after I met him. And, and that's why I love writing now on social media and... Um, doing speaking sessions or putting on events for assistance to sort of really spread that, spread the word about, you know, their potential. And um, but going back to what I said about the nervous breakdown, when I when I had that, there was a book that I read from Frank Bruno, mm-hmm. and he'd had a nervous breakdown, and he was in the press, being hounded for his mental health, and he wrote a book about it. And as I said, I was from the Isle of Man, and I was really embarrassed about my mental health. Uh And he wrote this book, and there was a couple of pages in the book. And I thought, gosh, that's how I feel. And I could show it to my mum and dad and say, look, this is how I feel. Because I couldn't tell them what I was going through because I didn't know myself. Um, At one point, I was physically collapsed on the floor. I just didn't know how to move. I just, my brain, my body, brain had just collapsed um so so i showed them this book and i treasured it because i thought if this great big strong man Mm. can have mental health then it's absolutely okay that i had it and um a couple of years ago i went to an event and because they were asking for volunteers to go on the panel Mm. and because i'd had um mental health i volunteered so I went along and um, the guest speaker was Frank Bruno. No way. And I got to say thank you to him. And it, it was quite funny because he, he sort of gave me that look that he does on the telly where he sort of wrinkles his eyebrows <laughs> and his forehead yeah. and he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's lovely. And he was just so, he was just, I think he probably just gets people waiting on to him all the time. But I was just so grateful to be able to say thank you. Oh. Yeah, lots of people at different stages in my life, really. 
And and what what helps you, you know, keep going when times get tough? Because times do get tough, and and it's it's because people. I mean, there's that thing, isn't it? They say that you know, was it four out of ten people suffer from mental illness, illness or whatever or troubles? And I completely disagree. It's ten out of ten for me. It's like we all suffer, don't we? I mean, Everybody you know, we have cloudy gone. days. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody has mental health. It's just that some people it comes out and yeah. Yeah, and what what is it that keeps you going there when when things do get tough? Where do you? I mean, obviously you kind of reflect back on your parents and stuff, but what mm-hmm. other tools do you use? Well, definitely, like you say, definitely my parents. Um, because of that, I'm able to sort of dig deep and have that grit and determination to sort of carry on. And my mum would always say, like I said, you know, do your best, and that's good enough. Mm. Um, and I just think John Haynes taught us about the sigmoid curve, and I've seen it described differently in different things, you know, the change curve and and all these sorts of things, but he would describe it as that we all have a a summer, a spring, summer, summer. autumn and winter, <laughs> and the spring was when you get a new idea or you're going to do something new and you're all excited and you've got all these ideas and all these plans and the summer is when it comes to fruition and everything's amazing and you're a success and it's you know everything's just brilliant and then autumn starts to appear and things go slightly wrong and you're not quite happy and then by winter you're just everything's horrible it's not working um, but to know that spring is around the corner mm-hmm. and to know that summer will come and you will go back down into autumn and you will suffer back in winter but always know that there's a cycle of life that's really lovely and I apply that to so many things you know just if I'm having a rubbish day I just think well this time tomorrow I'll be fine Mm, or if I'm in um you know I'm struggling with something work-wise then I, I just know that I'm on this curve and then it'll all come right again soon that's really nice. So what advice would you give if you could go back to your younger self? You know, I don't know, Paula at 10 or Paula at 15, what advice would you give yourself? Well, tell her not to worry as so much. Um, yeah, tell her not to spend as much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I've wasted so much money on things I didn't need. Um, mm. But I'd sort of say to her, you're going to have some hard times, but you'll get through them and to take more notice as life goes by oh lovely spend more time with the people who you know not just family um definitely family but you know friends or people who need you a bit more just to Mm. really take that time to sort of support others that's really nice that's lovely and 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 what advice would you would you you know would you give to others so Maybe somebody who's starting out in college or from school, you know, what, what would you pass on? I mean, obviously that, you know, things are going to get tough at times, but, you know, they don't they don't stay forever. So what advice would you pass on or do you pass on? Because I know that you do some fantastic social media posts and things. Well, I love to see life as a great big unsolved jigsaw. Um, <laughs> you know, if you imagine a jigsaw and you've got like perhaps the left hand corner is all finished and it's all complete and then you've got bits and pieces all over the place that you don't know where they go and you've got pieces that are missing and you know I just 
think that see life as a jigsaw, go and find your new pieces. And it's not always going to be perfect and there will be bits missing and you will lose people and it is going to be hard. But, you know, go and enjoy the journey. Enjoy finding your pieces of jigsaw. That's really lovely. I really like that. And, um, okay, what one word would you use to describe yourself? <laughs> so I would say I was humorous, um, not as in stand-up comedy um, style, but, you know, I love laughing. I love banter. Um, I love comedies on the telly. Um, I like to lighten the mood if there's a bit atmosphere or tension. Um, I just, yeah, I just... Just love to be with well, not people all the time, <laughs> but when I'm with people, <laughs> I can't lie, I don't like being with people all the time. But I just do love like my partner, he makes me laugh a lot, and um, just like nowadays with um, WhatsApp and things, I can communicate more with my family because I've not been able to get to the old man for over a year, and, and it's just been lovely to be able to send silly gifts or. Um, photographs from from walks or things and then we have a bit of banter about different things and mm. yeah humorous is a long way of answering your question <laughs> lovely lovely words and um and what legacy would you like to to leave behind and i'm not getting morbid by the way but if you could leave something behind <laughs> what would be the i don't know the paula harding foundation what would that be my foundation well as I've said I love being an executive assistant I'm really proud to be an executive assistant and I really want for my profession to spread the word tell people about what we do tell encourage people to see the value that we add in business and to sort of gain that credibility and respect but for that's for work in my own life it would be that I'd loved and supported everybody who was um, involved in my life um, that's but I do have um it's not a poem it's a reading that's on my desk and I'd love you mm. to read it to you mm, please do so it's based on Robert Ingersoll's quote um, we rise by lifting others uh, so it's three paragraphs but I w I'll read it quite quick when you help others, your life starts to have meaning and purpose. Real joy comes not from material possessions, but from people. When we give our hearts in kindness and love, we get the riches of the universe. And the greatest of these is happiness. When you're generous with others, you feel abundant. Your life feels fertile and rich with possibility. Remember, leadership is all about inspiring people to believe in the impossible, to believe in themselves and to become the very best version of themselves. When your leadership is all about service to others, you automatically become someone of value. And as a result, the fruits of generosity rub off as an abundance mindset and support you to be more wealthy in all areas of your life. That's really lovely. I bet that's some, is that something that kind of John Haynes um, kind of pointed you to as well? Yeah, when I'm writing my posts and things, I do quite a lot of research and I love to I love to read things that I wouldn't go for ordinarily. I like to sort of go on a path and, and I end up reading things that I wouldn't have found on purpose. 
and and I love to apply them to my life and I just think that's everything that my legacy wants to be and that's beautiful I think I think we're led where I'm not a religious person but I believe we're led where we need to be Mm. and I just think that sums it all perfectly that and I and I came across that by accident Mm, it's beautiful it's really really nice but it's funny isn't it those things we don't teach at school we don't teach at college you know we have to learn those vicariously don't we and Mm. and it's such a shame isn't it that we don't that those aren't the values that we instill in each other through education and through employment yeah i mean i think working in higher education um it's hard to fit that balance in you 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 have that timetable you have the expectations you have the funding you have to you know so many people to tick this box and tick that box and um i think it's it's very difficult to to achieve those things but um Mm. i think it's absolutely important Mm. yeah really is that's really beautiful thank you for that paula it's been wonderful talking to you and and we have spoken before um and it really is a pleasure i love talking to you i love your journey um and i love your honesty because there aren't many people that would say that they did have a breakdown um because that's incredibly private but um thank you for sharing your knowledge and your wisdom really lovely talking to you thank you so much well thank you for asking me and thank you for taking the time you're very welcome thank you